This is Guns and Butter. Something happening here. Yeah, yeah. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> telling me I got to be aware. Each time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter. Michelle Chosodovsky. Today's show, Political Crisis in the United States. Michelle Chosodovsky is an economist and the founder, director, and editor of the Center for Research on Globalization based in Montreal, Quebec. He is the author of 11 books, including The Globalization of Poverty and the New World Order, War and Globalization, The Truth Behind September 11th, America's War on Terrorism, and the Globalization of War, America's Long War Against Humanity. Michel Chosodovsky, welcome. Delighted to be on the program. Michel, in your article uh, that has just come out, Hillary Clinton, Wall Street's Losing Horse, Constitutional Crisis, What's the end game? You refer to the second letter sent by FBI Director James Comey to the U.S. Congress. What is the second letter as opposed to the first letter? Well, this story is evolving by the minute. Uh, When I started investigating this um, over the weekend, I... Um, looked at the preamble to this event. And I think this is absolutely crucial. On the 24th of October, in other words, four days before the release of the second letter, there was a revelation in the Wall Street Journal, which I think is fundamental, pointing to bribery fraud and corruption within the FBI triggered by a 500,000, approximately 500,000 donation to the wife of a senior official in the FBI for her election campaign in Virginia. Now, this money was, was sent through the governor of Virginia. It was never uh, acknowledged in the official records of donations for a campaign. From my point of view, it was a payout. But it was a payout not only to her, but to her husband, um, who was a senior, who is a senior member of the the FBI. I'm talking about uh, Dr. Jill McCabe, who was the candidate, and she is the wife of FBI official Andrew McCabe, Now, what happened is that Andrew McCabe, a few months after the election, uh, which she lost, incidentally, she lost, uh, she didn't get her seat. Um, A few months later, in January of this year, 2016, Andrew McCabe was appointed deputy director of the FBI, in other words, number two man, and he was put in charge of the Clinton email investigation. How convenient. It's very similar to, you know, 
the mafia boss in the 1930s, we see it on Hollywood buying up the police. Okay, you give them a bribe of half a million dollars, then you put them in charge of an investigation on organized crime, and their uh, their uh, uh, function essentially is to stall that investigation. Now, that works as long as the information is not made public regarding this. Uh, corruption within the FBI. In other words, number two man Andrew McCabe is corrupt. There are pressures from within uh, the FBI uh, directed against uh, the director, uh, James Comey. Uh, and I assume that James Comey also wants to ensure his, his authority and quote-unquote integrity. So ultimately, that's what that is one of the elements. There are other complex elements uh, with regarding the emails. But that's one of the elements which I think triggered um, uh, James Comey's uh, uh, second letter. Because uh, for one thing, I don't think he wanted to be entirely complicit with this, this bribery of the 500000 which was paid to his colleague, number two man, and so on and so forth. But what is very important is that Hillary gave half a million dollars to a senior police officer in the FBI in exchange for favors regarding the, uh, the, the Clinton investigation, which was not strictly limited to the emails. It was also pertaining to, uh, uh, to the Clinton Foundation and so on and so forth. There's a whole string of criminality behind the, the Clinton family. So that is the background. But I, I'll explain a little bit the second stage <laughs> uh, subsequently. Uh, Michelle, hundreds of thousands of dollars were donated to Jill McCabe's campaign for state Senate in Virginia, as you've uh, just stated. She is the wife of Andrew McCabe, who was soon to be appointed FBI deputy director in charge of the Clinton email investigation, which you've just talked about this. This huge donation was from, and this is according to the Wall Street Journal article that you cited of uh, October 24th, this huge donation was from Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe. Now, who is Terry McAuliffe, and how do we know that this money was from Clinton? I'm assuming that these claims were made in the Wall Street Journal article. Uh, precisely. Um, first of all, it was October 24th. Huh? Um, now, uh, the claims were made, in effect, uh, in, uh, in the Wall Street Journal, which used the term Clinton ally aided campaign of FBI officials' wife. Okay? That was the headline. Group linked to Virginia, uh, Governor Terry McAuliffe donated nearly half a million dollars to 215 state Senate candidate. Now, um, that, whatever, the, the, you know, they're supporting her election campaign, no, they're not, because she's married to, a, to a, well, if the FBI official had stayed quiet at the lower ranks, but he didn't. He became number two man, and then he, got, he was entrusted with, it, with investigation into the Clinton uh, uh, wrongdoings. So he's 
obviously in conflict of interest. This is standard procedure in the police. We know it from, I mean, all we have to do is to, to go and look at a Hollywood movie. It, it happens in every second movie. Uh, you're buying out the police. But this is a different, this is not, the, this is, these are not, these are not, this is not organized crime as we, you know, categorize it. Uh, buying out the police, bribing the police. Um, it is a former Secretary of State and a candidate to the highest uh, position in the land, namely President of the United States, which is bribing an official in the FBI. That is the crucial issue. Now, ironically, the media has not... Um, looked into it. They haven't followed up on that. They followed up on the email scandal, which is also, I mean, the email scandal is also pretty bad. I mean, it, it's the, 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 the Huma Abedin emails, etc., uh, have a whole dirty history behind that, okay? Uh, with uh, uh, pedophilia and so on. I don't want to get into that, but uh, there, there are several authors which have examined it in, in detail. But the fact of the matter is that when uh, James Kobe decided to release this, I'm sure he knew everything beforehand, okay? And he may, whether, he's, whether, whether he, he acted whether he's a good, clean cop, a, a good cop or a bad cop, I, I, I can't, we can't establish that at this moment. But he certainly uh, went against his colleague, uh, uh, Andrew McCabe, who was in charge of the investigation in launching this second letter. Uh, and the, the second letter is, is damning. Uh, it opens up a Pandora's box, uh, because there's not simply the emails, there's a lot of other stuff, very, very serious, including what I would describe as acts of treason. Why? Because Hillary Clinton's, well, the Clinton Foundation is funded by Saudi Arabia and Qatar, generous foundations, and it just so happens that Saudi Arabia and Qatar are financing the, uh, the Islamic State, which is uh, also from the point of view of Hillary Clinton, is the enemy of the United States of America. They're waging a war on terrorism, and she was Secretary of State at the time. So, you know, they, they, that's an act of treason, okay? It's an act of treason to receive donations from the state sponsors of terrorism. But um, if we can get back to the chronology of what happened, I think it's very important. And then we have to ask ourselves, uh, what is the role of WikiLeaks? Um, I personally don't think that WikiLeaks are some hackers. They're, the people behind WikiLeaks are, is, is the intelligence community. And I think that's pretty much known. They're, they may be intelligence officials who are, who are uh, going against the stream, but there's many, there are very significant divisions within the, what we call the elites, the, the financial establishment, and there's also divisions within the media. And in effect, this trigger mechanism of the Wall Street Journal would not have happened 
if those divisions hadn't occurred. Because whereas, let's say, whereas um, uh, Warner, you know, Times Warner, CNN are just um, churning out uh, smear after smear uh, directed against Trump with very, very biased coverage of, of, the, of the election campaign, uh, the Wall Street Journal, Fox News, and a couple of other media, they're not the majority by any means, they are, in fact, reporting on the misdemeanors of, of the Clinton um, campaign. Um, and to address that, we have to understand that the man behind News Corp, which owns the Wall Street Journal and owns Fox, Fox News, is Rupert Murdoch, okay? <laughs> the multi-billionaire, um, you know, uh, Australian of Australian origin, who, which controls a large share of the world's news media, not only in North America, but, I mean, worldwide. Um, and um, I, I can say, and I've looked into it carefully, uh, Richard Murdoch is a strong supporter, or has become a strong supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, they, uh, they, they wined and dined in Scotland in the month of June. They've been meeting several times. Um, and I suspect that this release by the Wall Street Journal pointing to bribery and corruption um, in the highest, at the highest ranks of the Federal Bureau of Invest, uh, of the FBI, um, that is something which was carefully timed to occur 11 days before the election. But uh, it, it's not so much the fa- it, it, that report ultimately, in, in effect, was a signal to. James Comey. The, the issue of corruption is, is public. People in the FBI knew about it at all levels, and there was also pressure on the director to come clean, so to speak. And uh, because his, uh, his, um, his uh, number two man, who was, who was responsible for the, uh, you know, for the investigation of Clinton and the emails and so on, uh, Andrew McCabe, not only did he, he cash in on $500,000, at least his wife did, they didn't spend it on the election. I don't think so. I looked at the records of, of his wife's uh, donation. He, first of all, they didn't declare it, which is illegal. Okay? They didn't declare that money. So it was handed to them in some way. So that is the object of an investigation. But, of course, look... Um, uh, James uh, Comey knew about all this before the Wall Street Journal uh, came out. But what the Wall Street Journal um, article did is it made it it brought to the public the fact that there was corruption and there was bribery, and that the, that that Hillary Clinton, in the same way as you know um, uh, the mafia bosses. Uh, Al Capone et al. do they buy up the police, and uh, and she did it through uh, the governor of Virginia, who was who is a friend and a crony. That's what happened, and then we have to ask ourselves, 
um, who is behind this. And I, I, I think to say that it's simply Rupert Murdoch is, is a bit simplified. Um, certainly, he, he triggered, he authorized this to take place. Uh, he had uh, people writing in the, the Wall Street Journal, which on the whole have been um, critical of Hillary and uh, her various um, and her record of criminality and so on, the Democratic National Committee and so on and so forth. Uh, but I think he understood very well that given the pressures, that they had talked about pressures within the FBI, it was really conflict between him and his, his number two man. And now his number two man is, he, he received the, the money, or, well, his wife, they must have a, you know, a, a joint bank account. They received the money, but he's still sitting there. He, he hasn't been dismissed or investigated in any way. He's clean. He is clean. Why? Because he's being protected uh, maybe by Attorney General uh, Loretta Lynch, uh, uh, you know, uh, Clinton and so uh, uh, Clinton and, and even the Obama administration. So he's clean. Okay. FBI Director James Comey is now threatened uh, with legal action. They say that he broke the law. Um, that's very far-fetched. Um, and Andrew McCabe, who cashed in on the money, he's, he's protected by the mafia boss. It's, it's, it's a very sort of typical, you could practically write a Hollywood script on this whole thing. Okay? I'm speaking with economist and director of the Center for Research on Globalization, Michelle Chosodovsky. Today's show, Political Crisis in the United States. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Well, Michelle, you have mentioned that the media in general is not really dealing with the information you've been describing that was published in the Wall Street Journal on October 24th. You've also pointed out that CNN, Time Warner, uh, they are uh, nonstop running ads or commentary against Trump. And then we have uh, Fox, uh, owned by Rupert Murdoch, Fox, Mail Online, uh, etc. Uh, also, maybe the New York Post also. The New York Post has uh, printed a, a scathing uh, remarks about Hillary Clinton. So there is this division that you've described within the media conglomerates, and then the people or the forces behind uh, these two media conglomerates are obviously at loggerheads. Now, you have mentioned to me that the elites are not monolithic, that uh, basically they, all of them want to make money. How do you see the division uh, here? I have always viewed Hillary Clinton's candidacy uh, as uh, the war candidate, basically. Uh, she's called for a no-fly zone over Syria. Uh, she has uh, said that uh, she wants a, president, a Syrian President Assad deposed. She is making negative remarks about Putin nonstop, uh, uh, accusations about the Russians hacking her email, etc. 
to my mind, clearly, she would be the candidate that would continue the 9-11 wars. On the other hand, then you have Donald Trump uh, making statements in the b- debate like, uh, well, why can't we get uh, why can't we get along with Russia? Uh, do you have uh, do you have an opinion as to what is going on here in terms of the conflicts among uh, the powers that be behind these candidates? Now, obviously, it's there's the the financial community, there's uh, the military industrial complex, there's the media conglomerates. How do you how do you view this this breakdown? Let's say. Is the, is the, are the elites no longer supporting Hillary Clinton? Well, I think it's pretty complex. Um, I think that Hillary Clinton is really the proxy for, I mean, the proxy president. She's a, she's a, she's a puppet for what we describe as the neocons, okay? The, the neocons is a power elite. It's on Wall Street. It's the military-industrial complex. It's the oil companies. It, it, it's it's um, it's also it also has a has a, a long term military agenda which was defined in the project for the new American century. Uh, it's continuity in relation to George W. Bush um, and and of course Obama. Uh, mind you, that sort of con- neo conservative consensus is quite widespread because uh, I mean Kerry also is in the same bag. Okay. He's also calling for a no-fly zone, and this, that, and other. So we're not. What we have is, is I think, uh, a clique, both in terms of foreign policy um, stance of maybe the think tanks, Council on Foreign Relations, uh, Project for the New American Century, uh, and so on, and so forth, uh, which now are pushing forward this notion of confrontation with Russia, including a World War III, okay? They even say that. Um, They have a new doctrine on nuclear weapons, which was formulated back in 2001-2002 of preemptive nuclear war. Uh, They have actually cleared tactical nuclear weapons, the small mini-nukes, but which have an explosive capacity between one-third and twelve times the Hiroshima bomb, the so-called B-6111 and the new version B-6112, as harmless to the surrounding civilian population because the explosion is underground, quote-unquote, scientific opinion on contract to the Pentagon. And um, Hillary, in her campaign, says, yes, nuclear weapons on the table. And with regard to Iran, she, she even says, and she quote, and I quote her, we will obliterate them, quote, unquote. Now, uh, I think, first of all, that perspective of hers, of actually igniting and, and having and believing somehow that they can win World War III, uh, because World War III will not be won by anybody. It's, it, it's, it's a terminal uh, it's, ter- it's terminal for, for humanity. Um, and we've just published uh, an article on nuclear winter. Uh, there are 15,000 nuclear weapons in the world, and Hillary wants to use them. Now, uh, inevitably, within the establishment, there are people, there are interest groups, 
Some of them don't care. They just want to make money. But there's not much money to be made out of a terminal uh, World War III scenario. Um, but um, so there is a lot of dissent within um, powerful interest groups against this agenda, including the armed forces and the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, um, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, just a, just a couple of a month ago, um, informed the Senate Armed Services Committee as well as, as Secretary of State um, John Kerry that uh, a no-fly zone over Syria would, would lead to war with Russia and that he did not contemplate that as a wise decision. So there's a lot of dissent within the armed forces and there's a dissent within the intelligence community. Um, there are people in the legal profession. We're not talking about, you know, the activists and, and the hackers. We're talking about people who have been running, a, you know, who, who are career within, within the system. Now, there's a very interesting sideline to that, and I, I've just recently published it. It, it has to do with a, a former Undersecretary of State. Um, his name is, is uh, Steve Piesenik. Piesenik is a Polish name. He was Deputy Assistant Secretary of State um, in several U.S. administrations, including Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, and George W. Bush. And he has just recently released a video. He has a blog site, and he um, provides an analysis and focus, which I think should be taken very seriously. Um, it sheds light on the fact that the political crisis in the U.S. and the op and the opposition which is developing from within is from the intelligence community, and he is a, he is a, he is a former intelligence um, official. Um, and, this is, and what he's saying is essentially that the, the Clintons, but broadly speaking, is more than that. It's, it's, the, it's the entourage and, and the, the groups that support them, including the weapons producers, that, that Clinton uh, is planning a coup. Uh, which is going to lead, which is leading to the demise, well, in, in effect, is leading to what I describe as the criminalization of the state apparatus, of the judicial system, okay, of law enforcement. Because then you have, a, you have an attorney general who is being, who is being uh, threatened or bribed or whatever, and then you have a, a guy in, in the FBI at a very senior level who is being bought out uh, with $500,000, and they, uh, he has said, and he, uh, he has made a statement to that effect. And he's also intimated, of course, that WikiLeaks is really originates from U.S. intelligence. Okay? I've always believed that WikiLeaks, which, which sends us so much information, which has now become sort of authoritative, is from, um, you know, it's, it's from within the system. It's not some activist hacking and getting hold of the emails. It's a, it, it must be a very organized process. So though, though we have to ask ourselves, um, who is behind WikiLeaks, which releases the, 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 this, um, this email and reveals the criminality of, of, um, of senior officials in high office? Um, I, I beg the question, Beg the question, who is behind FBI Director James Comey? 
Um, I, I think that James Comey is, is ultimately responding to a situation of crisis, and, and he's trying to cover, so, so to say, cover his, uh, you know, cover his ass, <laughs> if I can use the expression. Um, I think people do use that expression. And, um, and um, uh, there he has a, a number two man, Andrew McCabe, who, who essentially is Hillary's Trojan horse within the FBI and who's taking instructions, uh, at least he's, he's conducting his investigation in a way which is not going to damage her. Uh, so, but then you have, uh, you see, you, you asked me, uh, is, are the, uh, is, are the elites divided? Well, historically, they've always been divided. They've always been divided. There's, there's always been conflict. And those conflicts have led to wars. They've led to recessions, speculative onslaughts, manipulation uh, inside, uh, you know, the banks that are at each other's throats. And maybe they stick together, and then they go after the, the you know, after the, um, the Italian banks, okay? But they, they're constantly, there's constantly a conflict and division within the establishment. Now, what was revealing, last night I started uh, sort of switching back, back and forth between CNN on the one hand and Fox News on the other. <laughs> the discourse was so incredibly different. And then Fox News... The Hannity Show, which is not my favorite show by any means, okay? Uh, they once invited me, and I turned them down because I, 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 I thought they were going to... Well, they did intend, actually, to smear me. But, uh, but actually, Hannity was really good. He interviewed Giuliani. And Giuliani, uh, you know, former mayor of New York, comes out, and, and he doesn't necessarily say, I'm in favor of Trump. He says Hillary Clinton is involved uh, in a criminal undertaking, which nobody can support, okay? And, I mean, she was senator for the state of New York, and he was mayor of New York. They know each other. Uh, maybe they hate each other, but the, the, the thing is that you have prominent people who are now, they're not necessarily siding with Trump. They're siding against Clinton, you see? Well, they may be siding with Trump. Trump, from my standpoint, well, I'm, I'm in Canada, so I'm not going to vote, um, unless, of course, the United States decides to annex Canada. But Trump uh, is not a dangerous candidate from the foreign policy perspective, because at least his narrative, what he will do, that's another matter, but his narrative is not saying we, we must go and kill Assad and uh, wage war on Russia and move our troops to the, uh, to the Russian border and start bombing them with, with nuclear weapons. That's what Hillary Clinton is intimating. Uh, so that, in effect, I think that Trump, despite his, all his personal features and so on, is, uh, well, they're not comparable, but he's not as dangerous as Clinton. Clinton could unleash World War III. And I, 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 one has to address how a World War III is actually, con, had actually decided upon, apart from the fact that sometimes it's error, misjudgment, paranoia, whatever. But it's pressing on a button. And, and, and the pressing on a button to, to wage, a, let's say, a nuclear attack uh, 
doesn't necessarily come from one person. It's the, it's the result of, of um, you know, consultations with advisors, the military, this, that, and other debate, discussion. Do we do it? Don't we do it? But ultimately, the President of the United States can say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go... Uh, I'm not going to press the button and, and initiate a third world conflict. And uh, she will not hesitate one moment. And if, if she had to make that decision, she'll make it. But I've looked at all her statements. She's a very dangerous person. I'm speaking, <laughs> I'm speaking with economist and director of the Center for Research on Globalization, Michelle Chosodovsky. Today's show, Political Crisis in the United States. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Uh, Michelle, you have said to me that whoever, uh, whoever ascends to the presidency of the United States, that whoever the next president is, the presidency will be a dysfunctional one. Could you describe how uh, the new president or the new presidency of the United States is going to be dysfunctional. In what ways? What what could happen? Whether it's Clinton or Trump, and then I'm wondering, how dangerous is a dysfunctional presidency? Is it safer? Like maybe things won't get done, or would it lead to maybe a uh, a leap forward into war. What about a? Di- Why do you say that the next presidency will be a dysfunctional one? Okay. Well, first of all, if Hillary is elected, let's assume she's elected. Hillary's criminal record, which is there, and the investigation is ongoing, and it is it is very extensive. It's not, it's not just emails. It's the foundation. It's targeted assassinations. It goes back to her days in Arkansas. Uh, her criminal record will haunt her throughout her term in office. I have absolutely no doubt about that. Leading to the possibility of an impeachment. But even if it's not an impeachment, the public will, will know about it, okay? The public will know about it. And, um, and uh, you, you know, I, I once said to myself, well, you really need a criminal record to, get, to, be, to be appointed as candidate to the United States um, uh, presidency, okay? You need to be, because criminals are people you can manipulate, so they're good, they're good uh, puppets. But uh, I think that um, in the case of Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, her, her record is so extensive uh, that it will be very difficult to hide. So there's that element. It will haunt her throughout her presidency. But inevitably, um, Trump will launch a procedure claiming fraud because I think there's going to be fraud. Okay, we, we've done a fair amount of research on the voting machines and so on, um, and there was fraud in previous elections. But in this particular case, you have a, you, you know, you have a person, whether we like him or not, he's pop, well, he's, he, he, he has a, a certain element of grassroots support. And if Hillary um, 
wins the election by a small margin, I can, we can be sure that he will launch a procedure against her and against the vote and so on and so forth. So we, we're dealing with, with two, if we periodize what's going to happen, we've got three periods. We've got from now November 2nd to November 8th, okay, when the results come in. That doesn't leave much time, but things can happen within those six days in, in terms of more information coming out, which will influence the voters either way. Okay? Um, secondly, we have the period between the 8th of November or, or um, uh, the aftermath of the election until, um, until the transfer uh, of, um, of the position of presidency, which is in the month of January. Okay? So that's, it's about a month. Uh, and uh, uh, lots of things can happen within that period, um, particularly, with, particularly in relation to irregularities. And, and of course, the criminal record of, of, of Hillary Clinton is still there. Um, people across the United States, um, and there was a poll just uh, conducted a, a few days ago, uh, people don't believe the media anymore. This, the, the poll, the recent poll, believes that 75% of, of people participating in this sample, um, uh, you know, in this sample poll, they uh, believe that the media is lying to them when they say that the, uh, when Russia is intervening in, in the elections or in the Democratic National Committee and so on and so forth. They, they, don't, they don't buy that anymore. They know that the media is lying to them. And, um, and I think that uh, we're in a situation where mass protests could very well unfold. Uh, but let's say if Hillary comes in, uh, Trump will launch one or more procedures pertaining to fraud at different stages of the election campaign, voting machines, etc., criminality, the FBI will continue, okay, with investigation. It, it, those records are there. They, they can't be wiped out. And, um, uh, and um, I'm sure that immediately after the election, if she is, if she gets, if she is elected, Trump will, will go off, will, will uh, renew his campaign against her on corruption, large scale, Etc. Uh, Etc. Et and uh, and attempt to block uh, any kind of uh, her accession to to the White House. Now, uh, she's dysfunctional, but so is Trump dysfunctional. <laughs> so, if Trump is elected president, there will also be attempts to unseat him. Right? Calling for his impeachment. The other side is going to do it because they're very powerful. They've got the nail cons behind them and so on. They're going to do something to destabilize Trump. And it may be actually what I call Plan B or Plan C, which posits that if both candidates are dysfunctional, we might be moving, not necessarily immediately after the elections, but at some point in the future, we might be moving towards, uh, towards um, a situation of martial law, okay? 
it's it's not an impossibility. Okay, the uh, the unfolding political impasse, coupled with uh, rising geopolitical tensions in Syria, Iraq, Eastern Europe, on Russia's border, uh, the possibility of a, a World War Three, it could potentially lead at some future date to the suspension of constitutional government under what is described as the... There are many pieces of legislation to choose from, but the the most uh, significant and the one which is least known by the the American public, because the media have simply not discussed it and debated, is the National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA HR 1540, which was signed into law by President Obama on December 31, 2011. And uh, and then it's it's a but there are other pieces of legislation which have been adopted both before and after 9/11, which uh, which provide uh, which which uh, allow for this transition to police state America, um, namely the repeal of civil liberties, the surveillance state, the militarization of law enforcement, and so on. And that, of course, that is not that is also geared towards the broader public who might protest to having Hillary Clinton as president of the United States. I certainly would protest. Um, and, uh, and also the fact that these rising political and social tensions um, are the result of uh, years and years of austerity measures, uh, closing down of, of um, of jobs, uh, offshoring, and so on and so forth, uh, mass poverty in, in uh, uh, throughout the land, uh, and uh, this is, this eventually will, I think, uh, backlash. Uh, uh, it, it's it's the consequence of of a, of a macroeconomic agenda, um, the so-called not the neocon but the neoliberal <laughs> macroeconomic agenda, which has devastated uh, national economies uh, since, the, since the 1980s, but which is also now applied uh, in the United States of America and in Western Europe. And, uh, and we saw what happened in Greece. So, you know, if you look at dysfunctional presidencies, uh, you might say, well, maybe there might be a transition towards uh, martial law in the forthcoming years, not I wouldn't say necessarily immediately after the after the elections, but um, uh, that is how it's likely to to unfold. Um, uh, it's very difficult to, to to predict what will be the result of this election. I'm speaking with economist and director of the Center for Research on Globalization, Michel Chosodovsky. Today's show, Political Crisis in the United States. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. Uh, Michel, uh, you have been describing a political crisis, and you've touched on an economic crisis here in the United States. Um it, it sounds like a perfect, uh, some sort of perfect storm is brewing on the political front, the economic front, the geopolitical front. Uh, Vladimir Putin is preparing the uh, Russian citizens for a nuclear war. Uh, they're moving armaments, of course, into Syria. 
Uh, there was also, I read, uh, he had a drill in Moscow where the millions of residents of Moscow could go underground. Uh, Putin is taking all of this uh, war talk from the neocons and from Hillary quite seriously. And I think hopefully now people here are not thinking it's a big joke anymore. It, it looks like there's a perfect storm brewing and kind of hard to say what is going to happen, right? Well, there's no doubt the storm is brewing. And, it's, and I think we're at, the, we're at a very dangerous crossroads in our history. And this is most, it's most probably the most serious crisis in world history because it could lead to, to the end of humanity if and when uh, a nuclear war is, is, uh, is instigated. And, and I, I think even the, the vote at the UN uh, uh, last week was very significant, uh, that, uh, that uh, there's a consensus that nuclear weapons have to be banned, have to be, have to be uh, uh, eliminated. But that's not going to happen, and it's not going to happen within the, within the immediate uh, short term. Um, now, with regard to Russia, the, the actually those uh, emergency measures, the scenario of emergency measures was not strictly in Moscow. It was across the Russian Federation and involved something of the order of 40 million people. In other words, uh, these were... These were uh, areas, uh, um, underground uh, refuge uh, areas, uh, I guess in, in Moscow it might be even in the subway system. I didn't follow the details, but it was 40 million people. Now, um, I, I mean, when you do that, uh, it, it has, it, it, it sends perceptions both to those who are planning to attack you. It also sends perceptions to the Russian people, okay, that this is serious. But um, at the same time, you know, there's a sort of a, a little bit of a game going on um, between the, the two sides. Um, Russia is threatened by the United States with nuclear weapons. It doesn't mean necessarily that they'll do it. I don't think they'll, they'll choose Russia initially. If, they, if, they, if they're going to use nuclear weapons, it might be against Iran. Okay, and, and the statements have been very strong, but that will unleash a, a broader war inevitably. Okay, but um, the, I think that that first of all, uh, U.S. policymakers now have become increasingly aware of the fact that Russia has a very advanced military arsenal, which. Um, at the end of the Cold War, they didn't have, okay? Because there was a period with Yeltsin where they were actually dismantling it. And um, so, but that is not the case today. Russia has a very advanced um, military arsenal. Um, it's controlled by the state, which gives them much more leeway in making it functional rather than money-making uh, uh, or profit-driven, which is the case of the big defense contractors. Um, it doesn't cost them nearly as much as it costs the United States of America, so they can still allocate money to social programs and so on and so forth. But yes, we are. That, that kind of scenario is there. And um, you mentioned recently, uh, uh, of course, they, they are, they're moving... Uh, 
they're moving an aircraft carrier to the Middle East. Uh, it's the Kuznetsov. Okay, it's the Rus- Russians' Kuznetsov. They don't, they don't have many aircraft carriers, but they moved it to the Middle East, and immediately, and they, they have a naval base there. So there's, there's nothing really particularly. It's routine. They're moving warships to the Middle East, okay? And they, they're also saying, well, listen, okay, go ahead with the, with, you know, with the, with the, the, the no-fly zone. We have our planes are there, and they can fly them in from the Caspian Sea. It's, it's, you know, the, 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 the distances are not very large for, for a jet fighter. And, but the thing is that when they brought in their, their warships, uh, into the Mediterranean, uh, immediately NATO meets and starts deploying weapons uh, and, and, and tanks and artillery and, 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 um, and forces at Russia's doorstep in the Baltic states and in Poland and, uh, and Romania and so on. So you can see that... that uh, U.S. NATO is on a war footing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the last uh, when when was it month of June? They had uh, they had uh, this uh, these major war games, uh, which uh, I think were very large. Uh, it was the Anaconda. Yeah. The, well, if anybody knows what the Anaconda is, it's a very dangerous snake. You know, it, it's symbolic. It's, it's it kills people. Well, yes, Michelle, uh, you and I did a whole hour-long show on the Anaconda uh, war games that were taking place, uh, I guess, in Eastern Europe on behalf of the United States. That's right. Uh, we called that show uh, Global Warfare or something or something to that effect. Uh, now, Michelle, with regard to the scandals going on uh, domestically here, with regard to Hillary Clinton... Uh, this whole email thing. Uh, Obama came out and sort of put the kibosh on talk about FBI uh, Director James Comey having uh, broken the law. I guess the Hillary camp was accusing uh, the FBI director of having broken the law, and it, and I, and, and as you said to me, well, you know, Obama wasn't ready to back that up. One thing that has always, uh, I have not understood about this email scandal of Hillary Clinton's, what I don't understand about it is that the National Security Agency and the intelligence agencies, etc., would have known all along about her email setup. So if her email behavior was such a threat to so-called national security, then why was she allowed to do all of this? Well, yeah, they, they, they've probably known a long time what she was doing. And, um, and uh, there was probably very, well, they, I would say that within the FBI, there was people who were probably um, intent on, um, on protecting her, and then there may be people who weren't. But the thing is, it's not strictly, I don't think, the, I don't think that it is strictly the emails, okay? It, it's much broader than that, and it, it has to do also with um, uh, with her foundation. Okay, um, it, it's um, it's um, you know 
she's involved in money laundering. Uh, she it's crony because the people who come make a donation to the to the Hillary uh, to the Clinton Foundation, then they get favors uh, when she was state the, uh, when she was Secretary of State. It, it's a it's in other words it. It's not strictly one level of criminality. It, it is, um, it's much, much more, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's much more serious. Uh, um, and um, we have to uh, really uh, reflect on that. Um, uh, now, you said that, um, that Obama... Um, didn't take uh, such an active stance with regard to the illegality. Was it with regard to the illegality of James Comey or what? Well, James Comey was being accused by the Hillary camp of having broken the law, uh, coming out uh, 11 days before the election and saying that the FBI was reopening the investigation into her uh, emails. Well, I mean, the thing is that that um, James Comey did the right thing because what she had done, as reported by the Wall Street Journal, but also in relation to the email scandals, reveals uh, a, a, a whole network of criminality and corruption. Uh, and uh, I think he did the right thing. Now, he they're accusing him of having brought this information out prior to the election, but in fact he didn't because they've already, it's already been brought out on previous, uh, on several occasions. There was a first letter, but there was a whole uh, discussion of these issues going months and months back. So this is nothing new. But what is new is the fact that, that the corruption within the FBI is now known to everybody, at least to people who read the Wall Street Journal, because the, 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 the media is not talking about it. Okay, but the thing is that there you have a guy um, at the upper echelons of the FBI, his number two man, uh, McCabe, Andrew McCabe, who is uh, being bribed by the crime boss. I, I can use those terms. It's, it, that's the mechanism. You bribe a police, a senior police officer, so that you can continue with your criminality. And, uh, and you put him in charge of the investigation, and he, and he blocks the investigation. Now, I think Comey will go down in history. He will go down in history. And bear in mind, James Comey is appointed for 10 years. He, first of all, he was appointed by Obama, okay, three years ago. That's very important. Obama appointed him. And then he was... Uh, then, uh, of course, he, he reports to the Attorney General, and he also reports to the Director of National Intelligence. Okay? Uh, and, um, but, uh, uh, of course, his appointment is also, was is also approved by the Senate. But the thing is, uh, you don't simply flush an FBI director, okay? I mean, in America, people remember the, the J. Edgar Hoover, you know, uh, uh, saga. You, you know, these people stay there for a long, long time. You don't move them. The deputy, and, and that's what amazes me. Well, it doesn't amaze me, but 
the guy who actually took the bribe of 500000 through his wife is sitting there, and he's the hero. They, you know, they're, they're praising him, and, and they're still talking to him. And when, in fact, he should have been arrested for uh, taking a bribe, um, of, uh, you know, it, it, it's open, at least investigate it and suspend it. And he's not. But what they want to do, they want to get rid of Comey. But the, I think that's not going to be easy. Um, under constitutional government, that's not going to be easy to get rid of Comey. Uh, and, uh, and I think that Obama, I don't think that Obama wants to be, uh, to be overtly involved in this, in this scam in any way possible. He's supporting Hillary because she's a Democrat and she's coming after him. I don't think he, I, I, I mean, we know that Hillary was his, was, ran against him, uh, you know, previously. And then uh, she was appointed Secretary of State. He didn't want her as Secretary of State. They imposed uh, Hillary Clinton on him. So there's a whole very complex relations uh, which are unfolding. Uh, but, you know, when, when I said earlier, I, I guess we're running out of time, but when I said earlier that there were conflicts within, let's say, within the economic establishment, it's not because Rupert Murdoch actually sides with Trump. Rupert Murdoch is, is, is all over the place. It's a media conglomerate which has alliances with, with, uh, with the energy companies, with, uh, with you know, various sectors of the economy. Well, Michelle, we are out of time. I'd like to thank you, uh, Michelle Chosadovsky. Thank you so much for this great live interview on Guns and Butter. Thank you very much. I regret that we're out of time. Uh, best wishes. And to everybody in California and in the United States, think twice. Think carefully when you vote. Thank you, Michelle. And Michelle uh, Chosodovsky's website is globalresearch.ca. You can send me, Bonnie Faulkner, an email at faulkner at gunsandbutter.org. This has been Guns and Butter. Thank you so much. And our new